Hello, producer Andrew here. Welcome to part two of this week's live show at the Leicester Square Theatre, where the panel will be exploring the glory of the upcoming Liz Truss era. If you'd like to see them in action, you can sign up for Patreon to get full video of the show. Now, please take your seats. So the first half of the show, as you can tell, was not planned. It would have been creepy if it had been. Um, <laughs> but for quite a long time, uh, we'd promised you to look at the new prime minister. Um, and what a baptism of fire Liz Truss has had. The co-author of Britannia Unchained, um, which I recommend to everyone, um, <laughs> just about managed to squeeze out her energy bailout, details TBC, um, before uh, the news put all politics on hold. But even if she hasn't availed many policies, we know a lot about her from the leadership contest and her cabinet choices, and the fact that even with the new leader bounce and the energy bailout bounce and the queen bounce, <laughs> sorry, mom, um, <laughs> Labour is still 10 points ahead uh, in the latest poll. <laughs> so, Ross, she's visiting the nation's capitals at the same time as the royals, but not joining the royal tour. Um, has she seemed, trying to be really neutral here, has she seemed prime ministerial uh, so far? Remember, the bar is set at pork markets. So <laughs> has she cleared that bar? I think she has successfully effaced herself. And that is, that is probably all you could ask for at this stage because you know, it's a constitutional monarchy. So at the moment, we kind of expect her to step back and let the queen be buried. So I think she's, she's, had, a, she's had a win there. I mean, the speeches. <clears throat> did it, does anyone remember the speeches that she gave? She gave a speech outside Downing Street, and then she gave a speech in Parliament, and they were both dire. I mean, not just the words, but the delivery. Because the delivery with Liz Truss is what is the worst thing, in my view. It's the, it's the ceaseless effort to try and sound like Thatcher but just not able to hit those notes and not able to get that stentoriousness and that intonation. And that is where I pity her most, quite frankly. Yeah, it's fun sort of watching her try and land authoritatively on the right syllables. <laughs> when, you know what struck me? When, when, the queen, when the queen made me her prime minister. <laughs> no, not Don't that. bring yourself into it. Um... Now, I don't think what would have happened if she hadn't been able to make the energy announcement. Apparently, the Queen did die earlier in the day, perhaps before that announcement was made, but then they didn't know. It's very hard to tell exactly who knew when. Politics suspended again, as it was kind of during the leadership race. Does it feel like that we just haven't been governed and we're going to continue not being governed for, you know, another week or so? Yes. <laughs> welcome, welcome to your constitutional monarchy. <laughs> No, it's, it's uh, yeah, it's extraordinary. It's going to be something like three, four months between Parliament meaningfully sitting, and I don't mean spending two days saying nice things about the Queen because I don't consider that a useful, a use, or a good use of parliamentary time um, with the party conferences as well. And again, I feel so sorry for the Lib Dems. Why do the other two have, get to have their conferences go ahead, but the Lib Dems have to give way again? And, you know, after two years of also giving up their conference, it's extraordinary that we're just okay with this. 
And I, I feel that the closing down of political debate in this way and the closing down of the ability to interrogate the government about what it is doing would be awful at any time. But at the moment, it drives me crazy. Because well, there is that thing that, that, that actually government policies do affect people's lives, um, which you wouldn't, you wouldn't always believe. You wouldn't always know from Westminster coverage. Um, but, you know, that there were literally businesses that went under waiting for the leadership contest to end because, you know, they couldn't possibly announce what they were going to do about energy bills until that was settled. And now there might be more businesses going under because they don't have enough information about the details of this while they wait. And there's that sort of idea that you can just sort of suspend politics and that it's just fine and people will just go, well, I'll just, I'll just wait until you've sorted it out. I mean, I guess the big picture is we haven't been governed in six years, so what's another 10 days? <laughs> um, Ian, you weren't on last week's show, um, he says accusingly. Um, <laughs> we, but we did discuss whether, whether Liz Truss was an ideologue um, or a shameless opportunist. And I'm wondering whether the state of the economy is even going to give us a chance to see what real trussonomics um, would, would look like. Like, is she, is she actually going to be able to show her true colours when she is basically obliged in order to sort of save the economy, the Conservative Party, people's lives, you know, to do something which she obviously would ideally not want to do? Yeah, that's right. And it's kind of weird. It's, it's quite hard to, to tell, right? Because the position that she's expressing, she's selling it as sort of classic, sort of neoliberal Thatcherism, all of that. But it isn't. Right? It's tax cuts, yeah, but not balancing the budget. So you've basically taken this sort of philosophy and just severed it in half and gone, we're going to take one half of this and not the other half. So she's already quite an odd mixture, you know, even in perfect conditions to figure out which way she would land. There's this thing that a, a civil servant told me that worked with her before, which has been ringing in my ears. He says that there's this tactic um, civil servants use, which is that they try to box in the minister by essentially presenting three lunatic ideas and one that they actually want the minister to fucking take, right? It's not like a very sophisticated tactic, but they do it all the time. Um, and he was just like, but he's like, we tried to do that with trust, but she just, every time she just picked the fucking lunatic option. <laughs> and then I was like, but on purpose, you know, because like, because sometimes the minister would do that just to be like, I see what you're fucking doing here. You know, you can stop doing that and we'll go for, he was just like, I have no idea. And that's where we are now. Like, was she doing it on purpose? Or is she just fucking batshit? Like, we don't know. And that's basically the period. This is the interregnum of, lo of lunacy that we've entered into. And we are going to find out which of those two options it is. Well, at PMQs, um, it seemed like quite a classic, good old-fashioned um, argument, explore beyond limits. Um, <laughs> But quite a sort of classic, old-fashioned argument, economic argument between Conservative and Labour. And it's Tory going, tax cuts, you're just going to tax and spend. And then Labour just going, oh, you're going to, you know, you're not in, you know, investing enough and austerity and whatever. And so do you think that that is sort of the tone of things, that those are her priorities, that we're going to see a lot more of the economics, which during um, Brexit you know, we were told it was sort of on the back burner and that everything was culture, culture, culture now. And do you think actually that we're going to get back to this quite familiar clash between the two? I don't know. But again, I would caution on that because of the borrowing. 
It's not normal for conservatives just to go like, no, we'll fucking borrow what we fucking like, mate. You know, that's not generally the message that you get from those guys. So that whole part is is much more wacky than what you would typically expect from, from that kind of figure. The culture war stuff, she's clearly going to fire it out. And when she does fire it out, she clearly has no sense of restraint, right? So again, on the civil service, what did she say about the civil service? She could have gone for any number of attacks. Everyone else did. Everyone else said, oh, when they're a bit woke or they've got groupthink or they're European. She just went, they're anti-Semites. You're just like, what the fuck? Like, it was just really, oh, yeah. like, really, that's a crazy thing for you to have. Do you have any evidence? No, absolutely not. So, <laughs> you know, it, so that part's in her, but just how much of it will come out? Well, Alex, she pitched herself as more of, obviously, of a continuity candidate than, than Sunak did. Um, again, there seems to be a point of disagreement where some people think she'll sort of, you know, she's quite similar to Johnson. Obviously, as personalities, they're not that similar in terms of one being a real people pleaser and one being quite the people displeaser. Um, but certainly, you know, she's very much the apprentice candidate who's not here to make friends. Uh, so, <laughs> That's really good. <laughs> that could stick. <laughs> So how, I mean, how much of a, how much of a change is this um, from Johnson? I think it's too, I mean, it's too early to say. I, I also have a couple of contacts high up in the civil service, one in number 10, one in the cabinet office. And so when the result was announced, I asked them both whether they'd come across her, what they thought of her. And the, the answer came precisely the same from both of them. They're completely unconnected. And both of them replied, she's crackers. <laughs> In those words, both, she's crackers. So, I, I mean, is her personality different? She certainly presents very differently. She certainly has different strengths and weaknesses, skills. But she shares his vanity. She manufactures her image very carefully like he does. She's, I think, quite shallow. Um, she is interested in herself. She has a lot of ambition. So I wouldn't go crazy about saying, you know, she's a completely diff different mm. creature. I think there's something about our political system that promotes very similar creatures to the top, generally speaking. So let's give it a bit of time and see what she does. But like I said, the preview is she's crackers. <laughs> Not great, is it? I think the windfall tax told you actually quite a lot. And we haven't got a lot to go on. You know, we're scrounging around, like with Charles and his pen, um, for indications of how this woman will govern. But she could have decided to levy the windfall tax. And she didn't. And it was a popular policy. It's a popular policy even among Tory members and Tory supporters to do that. But she chose not to do it. And that, I think, gives the lie to the suggestion, which I hear quite a lot, that she will be a pragmatic leader who, while she in the summer came across as an ideologue, is now going to do the right thing for the country um, and steer a middle course. To me, not levying that windfall tax was a sign of just how hardcore she is going to be in her pursuit of her neo-Thatcherism. Because the whole it? plan is that, well, that will discourage investment and basically everything, and it seems that Kwasi Kwarteng's whole economic strategy is just based on growth. It's like, it's fine because the economy will grow a lot. How is it going to grow a lot? I don't know. 
But like that, so that's all staked on that. And so that's why I think the ideology is kind of really, really coming through. As, as soon as this period of mourning is over, all of this will then be picked apart because it still has to go through Parliament. She still has to announce the details of the... I mean, it's weird seeing a, a, a huge policy announced and desperately needed because if there was not whatever criticisms we have of it, it's like if she hadn't announced anything, I mean, there would be so much yeah. kind of, you know, panic and business closures and people literally terrified that they were going to go under. So it's glad there's something, but it's so weird to have it announced and then literally in that same, while she's on her feet, she gets a note that means that there's going to be no Although it's also kind of fun, you know, she just basically spent 200 billion and got not a single front page, which is... Wow. Yeah, that is, that is quite funny. She's kind of funny, right? Yeah. If you put it that way, that is... I can't think of a worse sentence for a politician to think <laughs> than the one that you just said. And Well, because she'd been holding it back. She'd been holding it back. People were, like, crying out for help. And they go, no, we must wait until the fucking 37 Tory members have decided who's going to be governing you before we can announce life-changing policy. And then when you finally do it, it's just like, bammo. Sorry, that's a quite disrespectful. <laughs> I never, I'd, I'd be much more comfortable if you didn't do that again. What? <laughs> was that a disrespectful blammo? It was just very blammo. I don't know what that All is. Right. I, I should have said that more sensibly. And then, sadly, blammo. <laughs> um, Ian, as Ron said, we don't have much to judge her on, but on her first day in office, Trust Sachs, Treasury's top civil servant, uh, Tom Scholar, um... Why this is probably one of those other stories that, that has not been maybe getting as much coverage as it, as it merited. Why do you think she did this? Why is it worrying? A lot of people don't really care who you know which civil servants are in post. Why does this matter so much? Uh, I don't think it would have got much coverage <clears throat> even if nothing else was going on because people just don't give a shit about what a permanent secretary is. But the permanent secretary is like the CEO of a department. Um, and Tom Scholar, impeccable civil service name, um, was. I mean, one of three permanent secretaries that really had a very good experience with brief, with his policy area, very, very highly regarded, very, very senior with Gordon Brown and with all eight sort of cab uh, Tory cabinet secretaries. You do, it's, it's a very odd position, right? So like a, um, a minister comes in and they've got a private office within their department with a few civil servants reporting up to them from what's going on. And the permanent secretary is slightly off from that. What you usually get in this kind of scenario, Brown did it, he got rid of his perm sec, um, under Thatcher as well, got rid of the perm sec. You do it slowly and subtly and you just kind of shift them out the picture and you basically sidestep them using the private office. You just right. freeze them out. And you'll talk to people from around that time and they're like, no, no, I mean, he didn't move position for another three years, but he was never invited to any important decision-making meeting He's again. moving so the desk. Exactly, yeah. Fair it's like, it's not subtle, but, it, but it's still, that's the civil service way. There's all these bits you do it. She just came in and just fucking sacked that guy. That was amazing. He hadn't made a single fucking decision he hadn't made a single objection to what she was doing. <clears throat> that, that is the best argument for ideology over pragmatism, I think. Because it's just like, no, 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 fuck that guy. We said we were going to screw with the Treasury. We're coming in here, and we're going to screw with the and, Treasury. And who's so that was a real statement him, of intent. Like Darren Grimes or someone. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> no, and Darren Grimes, he would do a fantastic job. He's got, you know, a really deep, trenchant sense of all the granular policy area details, I think. He'll be great. Yeah, yeah. He, as soon as he goes through puberty, he'll, be, he'll fucking nail it. <laughs> Right, let's do the cabinet. Um, 
Alex. <laughs> like, analytically. <laughs> Alex, who were you Blamo. glad? Blamo. <laughs> Blamo. <laughs> Alex, who were you glad to see the back of? Oh, God. Um, <laughs> I, they, I mean, there are obvious, obvious choices. Doris Patel. I, yes, I, we, we covered that. Um, oh, I, I, for sure. But personally, I'm glad to see the back of people like Shaps, Rob, uh, Steve Barkley, those fucking cockroaches that seem to always survive from one government to the next, and they're given the, the next fucking department to ruin. And then six months later, they go to another department to ruin. They're the, the guys I really, really disliked. And I'm glad they've been frozen out. I will miss Rob's media performances. <laughs> yes. Just sort of, sort of startled and tetchy. Yeah. Strong vibe. And indeed, Nadine Doris is sort of like, sort of belligerent and tipsy. Well, N- Nadine, Doris, <laughs> Nadine Doris is still going to be there, right? She's not, you know, she's not going to go into a, a nunnery. She'll still be on GB News offering her half-cocked in every way opinions. She's going to write her books. They take a lot of time and effort. She's going to go to like a writer's colony and disappear for a bit, I'm sure. In terms of talent and experience, could this be a worse lineup even than Johnson's? Even what we've said. Yeah, it is. It is for sure. Um, Because... Because basically, each one has come in and wants to put their stamp on, and they're basically running out of people. We calculated that of the 300-odd MPs, 265 have now been on the government payroll. So, so it's not like, it's not about ability or suitability. It's like everyone gets to have a go. Um, the Department of Education is particularly striking to me. Because she's, <coughs> she's put Kit Malthouse in that position, who I did a really thorough search. The man has never expressed any opinion about education in his entire political career. He's never tweeted the word, and yet there he is. He has no relevant experience, no relevant skills that I can see. But that's all right, because he will be helped by, by his two undersecretaries of state, one of whom is Jonathan Gullis. That's the, 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 literally the chimp in a suit <laughs> behind Johnson that just does faces like it's a, like it's a tea bag commercial from the 80s. <laughs> and then his fellow one is Andrea Jenkins. One of the really, one oh. of the really few people to be reappointed in her, in the position they had before is Andrea Jenkins, who literally gave voters the finger. Uh, you know, oh, yes. Yeah. So, so yeah. She's so crazy. I, I think that's a really good indication of what they think of our kids, really. Well, um, well bad, I'm, Ian, on, on the subject of education, I was actually pleasantly surprised that Kemi Badenoch, who was tipped for it, did not get it, because there's someone with a whole load of ideology uh, that she would like to kind of um, inflict on kids. Um, 
And she got international trade instead, which is sort of seems to be sort of, do you travel around the world? Get some air miles. Um, do you think there's anything in that that suggests maybe, because she seemed to be like her and Braverman, who is now the Home Secretary, and now we're going to see my, my thesis, the Braverman thesis that I had, was that you only think Pretty Patel is worse than her because she's been Home Secretary. Just wait till Suella Braverman is Home Secretary, and then we'll see the full uh, evil unveil. That's what it is, isn't it? It's like being given a, a kind of, like the cloak or whatever, and then all your evil comes out. Even people who weren't that evil to start off with become evil when they're Home Secretary. Emperor Palpatine. Yeah, so we will see that happen <laughs> when she's given like the orb of power. The ring of power. <laughs> the and then the of eye power. of Sauron <laughs> yeah. will appear in front of her. Yeah, so obviously she, but she was one of the big culture warriors. Baynott was another, but has maybe not been put in a position like that. Doris has left culture. I don't know as much about Michelle Donnellan. But do you feel that maybe that, I know you said that in the leadership race that she was trying to press those buttons, but she was pressing them really like, elbow she was doing them quite badly just like you said just go anti-semitism will that do so do you feel that maybe that's going to be less part of this government thing is i don't think you can draw analytical conclusions from the fact that she does things really incompetently so she you know she does the culture war attack she fucks it up and it's just like, it's not like she's her heart's not necessarily in it she's just fucking shit then she does the reshuffle she puts someone here she puts someone there she gets rid of all the sunak guys I don't really want to read the tea leaves too much because I right. don't think that there's a fundamental sort of central intelligence going on behind the decision-making process. I think it's just coming out that way. In that case, my guess, it is a guess. She thought she's a potential threat. Shuffle her off somewhere. It's the kind of same sort of thing Theresa May did at a slightly more elevated level with Boris Johnson and, and foreign that office. That worked out, didn't because, it? Yeah, exactly. No, but that's exactly the danger, that's right? Very, yeah. Because trade is actually one of those areas where you can, and trust knows this because she fucking did it, yeah. pretend that you have accomplishments when all you've done is pressed copy-paste on a previous EU document and gone, that's British but now, we put a flag on it. Isn't it funny, though, <laughs> that when, you, when they want to get someone out of the way, you know, a, a potential competitor, they need to go either put them in the foreign office or international trade. So basically just like, let the rest of the world deal with them. <laughs> Yeah, but that's fucking yeah. telling, right? Yeah. Their, their broom cupboard, for no one needs to look at this again, is the, the rest world. of the world. Yeah. <laughs> um, Ro Roz, Mog in charge of energy policy. Come on, come on, give Ooh, me a, a chance. a popular choice with our crowd. Um, seems like a giant step backwards on, on climate and, and put together with the other things I've said. Is it basically just drill baby drill now for the next, for the next couple of years and fr frack baby frack? I'd rather frack, frack your body, <laughs> so on. <laughs> Just brainstorming slogans for a policy I oppose. Fracking hell, yeah. Um, no, it's, it's, yeah, I mean, this is another thing I don't get. Why is she pressing ahead with such, well, I do get it, because of reasons I expressed before about her being, you know, ideologically single focus on this, this, this Britain is open for business um, mentality. Um, but why on earth would you risk alienating so many people in so many constituencies that you need by, by endorsing fracking? Nothing, nothing people hate more than fracking, frankly. 
it's, it's worse than the onshore. It's not worse than kind of a, a, a you know an onshore wind farm, which they seem to think is an intolerable imposition. Yeah, on the I mean, if public. you if you if you think that uh, you know building homes is a bit difficult in Britain, <laughs> just try fracking. Uh, it's 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 going to be impossible. I mean, we don't have a system where you can push through yet, but perhaps she intends to install one, who knows, where you can push through those kinds of permissions and overrule local councils and locals who will be furious about it. And all this while kind of, all this during us at the end of a summer, which has been the hottest we have ever known, and with the sun beating down, and still this woman doesn't can't bear a solar panel in a field. I literally, I was, I, <laughs> I was go, on a train going through East Anglia a few weeks ago, and <laughs> there were solar panels in a field, and there were sheep grazing under the solar panels, and I thought. But were they happy? Well, it was were hard to British? tell. You know, were British? It, was, it was hard to tell as we were speeding by, but my feeling was that they were because they could get shelter under the solar panels and it, feel like, it felt like a good multi-use thing. But, oh, no, 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 we must not have uh, solar panels in field we, seals. We must have livestock in fields. Like we live in some sort of model toy farm set circa 1975. And it's extraordinary. And well, I don't understand don't why... Don't 1975, the great <laughs> EU referendum year. Yeah. Um, I don't understand why she's making all these difficulties for herself when she doesn't have to. A few months ago, when we Thanks. were trying to get rid of Boris Johnson, I mean, not, I, mean, I mean, we weren't actually doing anything except being mean about him on a podcast, but we were talking about <laughs> what if... I like to think that helped. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, it did. No, it's it really important, mate. It's really important. Um, but we were talking about what will happen if he goes. And I was raising the unpopular question, like, what would be worse? Like, we hate him, but how could things be worse? And I remember saying then, that I actually thought on climate, whether through his own conviction or Carrie's conviction or whatever the reason was, like, he was by no means the worse. He did and said, and to a lesser extent did, you know, some good things in that direction. And so this, I suppose, is the fear here that you've got kind of, I mean, is Morgan climate change? actual climate change denier or skeptic yeah, yeah. yeah. um and then you've got somebody who just seems to, they, they all seem to be fully on board with just like more fossil fuels will save us but without quite abandoning net zero it's i don't really know how that all adds up but so is there any other way in which you think this government will be worse than johnson's because each one you go this is the worst it can possibly be <laughs> and then someone just comes and puts a hand on your shoulder and goes the worst for now <laughs> so what, what worries you and will make you think, oh, I wish Johnson was back? No, not, put it, not going that far. There will be many ways, and we have not yet even begun to imagine them. Let's face it, I mean, as I say, we have very little to go on so far. Uh, in a couple of weeks, we will have more to go on, and I think we will be surprised by just how hard she is pushing this agenda. I didn't expect her to be pushing it this far, but she, she is utterly focused on neo-Thatcherism to the exclusion of any public policy rationale. And that is fairly terrifying. I am scared for the next year or so, or however long she manages to cling on to power. I mean, w one of the ways in which this government will be worse is that they've got less time and they've got less money and the country's in a terrible state. So, and they're really unpopular. So, they are so, so you 
you have all the ingredients there of a sort of cornered thing that will lash out in all kinds of unexpected. And also, I hate to keep pressing this point, she's crackers. <laughs> Ian, perhaps one, you know, one thing that might kind of be an obstacle to her is backbenchers that don't like her. Um, and she didn't do the thing where you, you bring in, I love the way someone said it, called a cabinet of all the talents. And it was like, <laughs> all the talents? <laughs> I'll have one from the top and four from the bottom, please, Carol. <laughs> Literally that, isn't it? Uh, but she, you know, she hasn't sort of reached out. So, and, and, and you know, what we've learned is the Tory party is you know, extremely fractious and, and vindictive. Um, so do you see sort of trouble there? Obviously, not, it's not yet, again, sort of early days. But, I mean, they're not going to try and bring her down because you can't... You know, do that again. Oh, no, I'm pretty expecting would? them to do that. No. I'm pretty expecting... What, before the next election? You if, think they do I it again? If I had to put money on it, I would put money on them trying to take it down before the next election. Yeah. Oh, they can't do another leadership contest. Oh, controversial. <laughs> they can't. Where's Naomi? Not another one? <laughs> She's somewhere out there. But they definitely can. But she, the thing is that she looks like a loser. And I don't mean it in some high school thing. She looks like a loser. And they're going to sit there and the one thing that they can't fucking tolerate the depths of moral depravity that you can't look like a loser. Right. She looks like a loser, and so I think they're going to gun for her. Yeah. Wow, that would be crazy. Because it made them look crazy. so weak, wouldn't it? It's it like would, you literally you know what just... else, though? It, it would also be quite funny. <laughs> it would. It, I'm torn. You know what would be even funnier? And finally... If they bring back Johnson. <laughs> that would be the banter option. Um, Ian, what do you think... um, I mean, we haven't had time to go through all all, all Johnson's achievements tonight, sadly. Um, But what do you think he will will do next? Do you think he's just going to go out... I mean, do you think he's going to stay in politics? Do you think he's going to go out and make as much money as... Well, thanks to sort of him not wanting to change any rules, you can stay in politics and make a huge amount of money. So is that, you think, is what he'll do? Yeah, so he's going to try and do that, and he'll make millions. Um, after dinner speaking, he'll get a very, very... He'll get paid more for his columns, I suspect, than I do. Um, and then I'll work out, I know, it's fucking bullshit. The country's gone insane. Um, and that'll be bad. And he thinks he's going to sit on the backbenches and bide his time and see, watch for her to just collapse. But I don't think he's got the humility to do it. It's really fucking hard to sit on the back benches when you've been prime minister, right? Like they've all none Ther- of them Theresa really. Theresa May is not bad she's, at it, and she's but the she, only one. Yeah, and and to be honest, I genuinely fucking fuck my life. I think highly of her for for, for the virtue of the fact that she did it, and she actually demonstrates that. Don't don't clap me saying something nice about <laughs> Theresa May. Come on, man, it's fucking. It has to be done, but no one needs it. And she actually does bring something to it. It's completely fake because she acts like the prime minister that she wasn't. She was also responsible and very well. And at the time, she was just gibbering maniac. But nevertheless, <laughs> it, there's still virtue in that. And there's virtue in the fact that she stayed there. Most of the others, I mean, like David Cameron leaves. You know what I mean? It's just like, he's not going to, I'm not going to sit here on your what? Your back benches? No, of course not. And he's going to, and I think the same. The, he, he just doesn't have the humility. In the end, I give it six months and eventually he's going to want out. Well, because also there isn't the issue that, 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 you know, looking at the polls now, he he would lose his seat. There is, but there's also the issue that the Tory part, that his internal constituency 
Bill fucking likes him more than anyone else on offer, including the person that's currently leading the party. So he'll be looking at those polls at the same time. Yeah, they're crazy. They're fucking crazy. I and mean, we're talking crackers. That is... Like the Tory, the Tory base who just looked at the fact we said MPs don't like him, the country doesn't like him, but by God, we love him. <laughs> don't go. It was quite Cronenberg, wasn't it, over the summer? That it's just like everything's quite nice, you know. I mean, I know, you know, climate change, but like it was quite nice outside. And then you're like, oh, and then you put on the radio, and they're like, would you like to enter into the most deranged mind you have ever known? It's just you have to live your whole news life for like two months inside people who'd gone genuinely insane. I was just like, what would you like out of politics? More of this, please. It's been, it's been fantastic. Fuck me, what a suck. Yeah, I don't know if I do want another Tory leadership contest, you know? <laughs> I'm full, thank you. <laughs> I would just like to see Liz Truss lose the election very badly. Bit of pandering there. Um, look, to celebrate the brave new cabinet and close out the show for the questions, we're going to play a round of the infamous party game, Heads Up. Uh, 20 questions, or who am I? All, all names for this game. Each of the panel will have a cabinet minister's name placed on their head by me. They don't know who they are, but they can ask the rest of the panel questions in a bid to identify themselves. The only answers we can give them are yes or no. Oh, I have a very oily tea. Yeah, me too. Okay, well, it's going on your head. Uh, and um, so front is going to show you guys who don't have incredibly good vision um, what the name is. Right. I'm going to get the post-its out. What I like about this game is that you can't get the answer wrong because it's literally on our face. <laughs> so, Alex, uh, ask questions about who you are. Am I male? Yes. Am I in the cabinet? Yes, everyone here is in the cabinet. Oh, right, okay, sorry. Um, How many questions does he get? Because this could take a while. 20, I thought. 20? Yeah. It's called 20 mm. questions, but time-wise, it's Am more I like... Caucasian? Yes, yes, yes. Not an obvious question now. Was I in the cabinet of Johnson? Yes. Oh. Am I Damien Lewis? Damien Lewis? No, not Damien. From Homeland. <laughs> What's his name? <laughs> Brandon, thank you. Okay, you It's are... meant to move around. You're going to kick <laughs> when yourself. When I get oh, a no. Okay, all right, all right. Uh, that's, okay, great. Um, uh, Roz. Sorry, am I female? No. Yeah. Was, I in, uh, was I in Johnson's cabinet? Yes. Uh, did well, I... He wasn't sure, though. Um, was I remotely competent? <laughs> Ooh. Remotely, not the worst. Did I resign uh, in protest at Johnson's leadership? No. Oh, so I'm a loyalist, right? Oh, boring. Very well. Boring loyalist. A very boring loyalist. Oh. Should we um, go to Ian and then come back around? Ian, am I a belligerent reactionary? Does (laughs) does it? Yes. Am I Swella Braverman? Yes! <laughs> <laughs> wow. So I stayed in the, in the bunker, yeah? I'm a total loyalist. 
Am I Nadim Sahawi? No. Oh. Ask Alex another one. I can... Oh, God, I really Alex, can't. come on. Come um, on, man. Okay. You will kick yourself. Okay, okay. Or I will kick you. Um, <laughs> do I have a regional accent? <laughs> what? No, no. You're, you have a very distinctive way of speaking. Very distinctive way of speaking. Go, go there, go there. But it's not, it's not a region that exists. <laughs> In the, in the current century. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, okay. I'm Jacob Rees-Mogg. Yeah. I genuinely don't like to think of him as being even alive, <laughs> let alone... In the okay, Ross, this time. is the hardest because perhaps one of those, just one of those... Did I go to Eton? No. Oh. He actually... So I'm Went not quasi Quarteng. Sc- no. No. Okay. He actually, I found out, went to the same school as me. Oh. About a year or two, two years above, I think. Okay. So one I of the few, him. one of the few. Am I right in saying non-privately educated? No, it was private school, but not oh. very, just like not, not one of the good ones. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so not like you know, not a big fancy. No, not one that you would know, basically. <laughs> So, Underground, cool, hipster. <laughs> hipster private. So I'm a South London suburbanite, is that right? Yes. <laughs> Cleverly! Yay! Yeah! Right. So, yes, moving on. Uh, very quickly, that's... Uh, I've been Dorian Linsky. Uh, they have been Alex Andreu. Roz Taylor and Ian Dunn. Also, like to thank the production team: Andrew, Martin, Robin, Jacob, Jarv, Yelena, Jade, Alex, and Kasia. And thanks to you for supporting us, spending a Wednesday evening with us, uh, whether in person or online, and being a really, I think, a wonderful audience. Right? Really, very good at this difficult time very disrespectfully lively audience i would say um so now it's time to send out the microphone uh, for some questions before we go so apologies to andrew harrison who i said i wouldn't put my hand up for because i have done every single live episode that i've been to um <laughs> liar but... there's a liar in the room <laughs> <laughs> but i couldn't resist um throughout my lifetime we've heard politicians from the right uh put this myth out about trickle down economics and when are we going to say this is just bullshit. I mean, I don't know whether, I suppose, I would say, I'm not sure if the public does, particularly. You know, I mean, the argument, the observation that we make quite a lot is that we have a government moving right and a public that's sort of moving left. I mean, not, you know, into the arms of socialism, oh, Jeremy Corbyn, but certainly what they're not in the mood for. And that's the show. Thanks for listening. Or if you came down, thanks for coming. If you'd like to hear questions from the audience, and there were some very good ones, they are the extra bit on this week's Patreon edition. Search Patreon Oh God What Now podcast to get that special extended version, plus early bird notifications of our next live shows, and a whole lot more besides. Thanks for your support. We'll see you next week back in the studio. Bye.